0: That's N-O-O-M.com
1: to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you dot Rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. do my written content over at Rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer radio network, so I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long in DFS leagues? Roto Baller's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit includes rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take fifty percent off any Premium Pass. Use promo code BUBBA B U B B A for another ten percent discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio. Sign up today and start roto balling like a boss. And welcome back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode four oh six. Going to recap some Tout Wars, and in order to do so, have some uh, guests on the show that were newbies in Tout Wars with me, and we were all newbies in a new league. To top it off, a whole new format that made it even more entertaining to uh, to get our feet wet. First, you can find me on Twitter at pediatric and my first guest, all he gets the first call because he won the darn thing. You can find him on Twitter sense. at Alex Fast Eight. Alex, how are we doing, my friend?
2: Oh great, you losers! <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why but, uh, uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Man. Thank you, thank you here. for gracing us with it. Yes. Your-
1: <laughs> I really didn't know if I was going to. We were going to be able to get you locked in between ESPN and everything else. I thought we were like, it's going to be tough.
0: You're talking to the other guy who works for CBS, staying up till two or three o'clock <laughs> uh, in the yeah, morning. But like, I'm barely, I barely count.
1: speaking of that other voice you're hearing or if you're watching it on youtube you can find him on twitter at c towers cbs from cbs sports chris towers how we doing man
0: good good we were just talking about how weird my schedule is these days with football i wake up at 11 or noon most days and stay up writing until 4 3 in the morning so you know just Got my morning coffee in at four in the afternoon, you know?
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I Back in the day, um, early college, I do the night shift unloading trucks at a Target. So I kind of have a weird schedule feel for you. I know how it can oh. be. Oh, Wake yeah. up in the afternoon to start your day. <laughs> it's
0: always a little oh, Yeah,
2: different. I used to work at Dogs, uh, Chris. And that you, I don't know if I still have it in Brooklyn, but I used to get off at like 4.30 in the morning because we used to close at 4 a.m. And it sucked.
0: Yeah, between the Miami Herald where I started and then my first like four years at CBS, I spent about five years doing this shift. And now I'm I'm backsliding a little bit when it comes to my sleeping patterns, but it's OK. Hey,
1: we're young, right? You only live once, but uh, at least we, we, we think we're young. But um, yeah, tout wars. First off, the season's over. Congratulations, Alex. You basically I, I can't remember too far back, but it feels like you went wire to wire.
0: So that was, yeah, you, I, you, you overtook me in like week seven or something. Yeah. I think you, you pretty were the, much held on the whole time. You were the leader I was chasing
2: for quite some time. At yeah. one point it, I was in, I was in second the entire way until I passed Chris. And then I was in first from then on, but it was all chasing Chris up until like week 12 or
1: 13. Okay. Well, let's have some fun discussing how that happened then, because for those that didn't know, we were in a 12 team Roto format, but instead of wins, it was innings pitched and um, instead of saves it was uh, saves holds so a little bit different format there uh typical tout wars you have obp as well so it's not an average league so there's a little different theory kind of compared to your normal NFPCS and all those things that most podcasts uh, kind of focus around so alex we'll start with you how did you attack this to be able to win the darn thing basically like what was your like what 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 worked for you you think that, that that was different from a normal league
2: uh, that's such a, it's, um, it's
1: a very broad question. It's a wide open. No, question. no, no. <laughs> I was ta-
2: it's funny. Cause I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I was talking to Nick about this in the, on the, on the pitchless podcast and just looking at my draft and like my second, my first three picks were like Mookie Betts, you Darvish and Clayton Kershaw. And like, that's not a championship team. You know what I mean? Like Mookie Betts was fine. He, he, he didn't really have the year. People thought he would. You Darvish was not Clayton Kershaw was not. Um, so for me, it was just like kind of getting lucky at the end of draft drafts. I mean, I got Jorge Soler really late. Um, and that didn't work out for maybe 60% of the season. Uh, but then Jesse Winker, Sandy Alcantara, those were the guys that really, um, helped me get my start, but I think it was, you know, Guys like Cedric Mullins, who I picked up off the waiver wire in the second week, uh, you know, that's the only benefit of the Orioles fandom, really, is being like, hey, maybe he doesn't suck as much as people think he sucks. Uh, Maybe this is for real. Um, But I think, you know, coming into it, all I really wanted to do is just come out with a well balanced team i know every team's gonna have holes regardless of the draft that you have they're, they're just gonna have holes i wanted to try and have holes that i think i could theoretically plug up uh, i didn't want to go too heavy on home runs and be like well i'm really gonna have to worry about average or go too heavy on uh on innings pitched and be like well i really need to make sure i have my ratios i wanted to just have be as even keeled as possible you know if i was a uh six out of twelve after my draft In all of the categories, that's exactly where I want it to be.
1: Interesting, Chris. You you, we you talked about how you were leading early. What was it in your draft that kind of brought you to uh, like? What were you focused on on draft day to to push you ahead that quickly?
0: Um, yeah, a lot of it was you know really leaning into the changes in this format, especially on the pitching side, which was the much better side for me uh, this season. You know, when you introduce innings pitched obviously wins are accounting stat and they you know volume matters there but when you're just talking about innings pitched all of a sudden you're looking at you know wins and strikeouts being two huge volume stats that you can really rack up and so my focus there was um, try to get steady inning sources along with you know upside plays unfortunately my you know two anchors of my pitching staff actually ended up being Shane Bieber and Zach Greinke so they weren't really. uh you know, great anchors, especially Beaver, uh, who barely played what after. I mean, I think his injury probably coincided with me dropping out of first place. Um, That'll happen. And so, you know, for, but for the for the hitting side, it was really focusing on OBP. Um, and so, my first three were Alex, Freddie Freeman, Alex Bregman, Aaron Judge. Two of those three worked out really well. And the thing, the thought process there was, if you're getting. Sluggers with high OBP, you should be able to get runs in RBI along with that. Um, and for the most part, that did work out. But, you know, the the issue for me really was just injuries ended up really, really killing me, which was true of a lot of people this yeah. season.
1: 100% true. That uh, that that got me big time. It was weird because there were certain weeks it's like, well, I can just keep adding to my unlimited IL. So this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Let's just keep doing this. This is This is depressing yeah. now. Um, for me, like the biggest issue is my power department. I thought I was doing fine in that department, but when guys like Christian Walker, that you get super late to be a corner infielder, do absolutely nothing and help you like that's a big drag and other players along that line. But I was, I got a mixed bag with both of you guys. Like I did the Juan Soto first OBP wise, like awesome. But then uh, I went like G Lito and Castillo, We know, how all that worked out. So it was kind of a mixed bag there as well. Um, So it was tough. It it was very interesting because you're trying to, like you guys said, kind of focus on the new stats but not overdo it with the new stats. So Chris, I'll throw this to you. Um, You mentioned like the volume thing with with the innings pitch should lead to the strikeouts. Let's talk saves holds in a minute. Like, um, obviously, there's so many more guys doing that this year. So you can kind of pick and choose. Were you more receptive to just wait on that? Did you say you're gonna play the wire? How did you approach the saves holds aspect to it? And you're muted.
2: Oh, where'd you go? I can't hear you. Chris is muted.
0: I do this a lot. I mute myself in the middle of the podcast (laughs) and I forget. Um, So I was, I was telling my cat to get out of the way. I'm sorry. No problem. Um, So yeah, my approach to saves and holds was to try to stream it. I, I think the first reliever I picked up was Trevor Rosenthal on the 17th. Um, And Amir Garrett in the 22nd was my second one. I don't know if I actually had another true reliever. And so my approach was, you know, try to, you know, get the saves and holds on the waiver wire because there are so many players getting them. Uh, I think the problem with that, and this is a problem when you're talking about holds leagues, you know, I I think there's a lot of, uh, or saves plus holds leagues, especially. I think there's a lot of like, well, it's easier to find because there are so many more players getting them. And, and that's true, but players don't get that many holds. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are a lot of holds collectively in major league baseball A team could get three or four holds in one game. Uh, but the leaders, You, I don't know who the leader was this season at, but the leaders usually are right around 30 to 35, uh, maybe a little lower. And so, Finding guys who can consistently get that, it's a lot harder to just, like, stick them in. It's not like you can look at, you know, a a closer goes down, his backup comes in, and you can say, well, I think he can get two to three saves this week. Holds are really a lot more random. And so that ended up hurting me, I think. And if I was going to do it again, I, I actually do think I might focus more on actual closers moving forward.
1: That's a good point because I was just looking at my, the draft results and I know I grabbed Iglesias in like round 11, but I kind of waited till the end. Obviously, he was great, but you are kind of piecing it together, like you said, and hoping because even the other, the other part is you know, you, you might stream your guys and that week they don't get a chance and then you drop them and then they go get three chances. And it's yep. like streaming for steals or homers, it's the same kind of conundrum where, like you're saying, if you go get a closer, well, he's going to be locked into probably a couple chances a week more often than not. We'll see and how that works. Hold. Yeah, he'll get holds too. True. So, Alex, how did you go about the the saves hold situation? Because I know it was different. We kind of talked about it on the first time.
2: Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, you know, I'm looking over here at our at our a draft and where I went. And you know, I wanted to at least try kind of the methodology that I'd written about for the past two years, which was like try and go with a quote unquote sure thing early, earlier than I would have preferred, um, and then fill the back end with things. And I mean. My, so my first relief pick was in the sixth, which is pretty early for me. It was the second reliever off the board, I believe, uh, in Liam Hendricks, and that that worked out that worked out well. But then uh, I got to the point in the 14th round where I was feeling good about the construction of my team. The only thing that I was lacking on was was. Saves and holds, and I didn't feel comfortable with it. So I went with Nick Anderson. That clearly didn't go well. Um, so I was already kind of in a hole there and then filled out the back end. Chris Martin, I went with later on in the 22nd. He ended up getting hurt. I ended up getting Michael Lorenzen because I thought he was going to be converted into a starter who actually ended up being one of the more valuable holds guys. Um, I don't know about more valuable. In the second half, he was more valuable in terms of holds before. Um, taking a risk on Emmanuel class a who ended up being one of my better uh relievers because of what happened with james karenchak um for me it's about looking at the data and trying to figure out whose
0: bullpen sucks
2: (laughs) and who's more likely than not going to get those opportunities by the end of it um for a lot of teams even with good relievers to be honest it was clear what the structure was so for example in cincinnati Sims and Lorenzen were going to get a hold and save opportunity and then Michael Givens was going to get the save and I believed in Lorenzen's uh, upside just as a pitcher that he was going to be able to sustain those things. Um, I knew that there's it's kind of a fool's errand after Nick Anderson to kind of get any Ray. Because on any given day, Chris already talked very aptly about the wild usage. You throw that into Tampa Bay and it's even crazier, right? It's just absolutely bananas. Um, and again, to prove exactly what, what, what Chris was saying, uh, 32 holds led the year. 32 holds. And that was Blake Trinan. He had the most holds in baseball this year. Um, a lot of these names are out there. The top 10 holds leaders are Trinan, Luke Jackson, Tyler Rogers, Genesis Cabrera, Tyler Matzik, Giovanni Gallegos, A.J. Minter, Devin Williams, Brad Boxberger, everyone's favorite, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then a, a big tie uh, for, for 10th place. Um, it's one thing to be like, oh, well, then I can get it off the wire. But then it's another to just not know when those are going to come.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think personally, its I don't mind that as much because since it's a roto, you're just going to have a week where you got five and then a week yeah. where you get none. Um, But, yeah, I I think I was happy that I was able to have that fence post early on on a team that I knew they were going to stick with him. Uh, even with Craig Kimbrell came, I was like, I don't think they're going to change out Liam Hendricks going into the mm-hmm. ninth. It was nice to have that one fence post.
1: Yeah. And then Kimbrell, because look, at a bunch of holds. So that works yeah. out well in that format. It wasn't like a killer to you. Alex, I know you were tweeting out about it today. Uh, you do a lot of work the last few years about the closing situation, the landscape that's always changing, and the different guys—obviously, um, that can parlay into the holds conversation we're having as well, because that'll that'll teeter back and forth there. Do you see any like like I guess patterns where you can almost not get the fence post because you see how many guys are getting save chances, which they'll also probably get holds. Like Tyler Rogers got 13 saves, but also was one of the top uh, holds guys. Do you see like a pattern maybe, or is it way too early to kind of get a gauge on that?
2: It's funny they say that cuz I literally just pulled that data today and was taking a look at that but like um it, it, people have already so yeah 205 or 204 no 205 different people got at least one save um this year which is a career high and i double that like there are certain people who got saves for two teams i double count them because it's more about utilization right like it it proves the point that saves are being more evenly distributed if you go down to tampa you're gonna see that it's how many did they different relievers did they use it was what 11 uh and there could be more actually that i haven't accounted for yet however Go look at Arizona. I'm kind of looking at this live as we're doing this. Uh, Miami, three guys, Dylan Floro, Anthony Bender, Yumi Garcia. Okay. Arizona, uh, No, that's a bad example. Uh, Who was I just looking at? There's uh, some other teams where it's like, oh, they just used three guys really uh, over and over again. Uh, uh, Colorado. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can ever really recommend anyone's like, yeah, go get Daniel Bard. He's really going to be a benefit (laughs) to your team. But I I do think it is good to year over year look at who's really spreading these out super thin. Oakland really doesn't do it a lot. Uh, They, 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 usually end up sticking with a guy. That guy changes a lot year over year. I believe last mm-hmm. year was the first time they had a back to back saves leader since Grant Balfour. Yeah. Um but wow, there's a name. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh too, although they didn't really get many. Um this is all rambly. What did I notice? I noticed that it's plateauing a little bit. Well, we're starting to see a little is, bit
1: more consistency. Well, the good thing is you mentioned like the teams with like three guys. Well, at least if you're doing saves holds, you can focus more on that team per se than the team that spreads it out everywhere and give you more yeah. consistency. So you don't have to maybe get the top guy to go to the third guy, um, Chris. So we don't need to keep talking pitching, but there's those are two of the new stats. So it kind of made it more the conversation starter with the innings pitched. Um, obviously mm-hmm. guys like Robbie Ray throws 190 plus innings this year, all these different things. Lance Lynn's usually a horse, but then he gets hurt. So it's tough to always be dead on with what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Do you have any concerns going into that? I know it's super early, a lot of speculation, but going into the next year, because the concern this year was workload based off a 60 game season, but now we got a full season after a 60 game. So who knows, are you going to focus more on this year's stats or kind of take a, a, wait and see approach is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah. I, it's so hard with workload. I mean, yeah. five guys hit 200 innings this season, uh, seven got to 190 which even when you know that that's the case it's still stunning to actually see that in action and I don't know whether that's you know whether we can whether that's uh you can put the toothpaste back in the tube in uh, in so many words in in that regard I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to get a lot of their starters back up to 180 190 innings when you're talking about like say you have a guy who debuted in 2019, probably didn't throw that many innings, didn't throw many innings in 2020, obviously. Very few guys really pr- did a workhorse role in 2021. So all of a sudden now you're looking at potentially a whole generation of starting pitchers who haven't done the 180-inning work uh, inning season, let alone the 200-inning season. So I think the guys who have proven they can do it the the handful who have, I think you can probably rely on them moving forward. Beyond that, I think innings pitched is going to be even more scarce moving forward. And so, when you're talking about how to approach that for this season, one thing you don't really see anymore is mediocre innings eaters. Mm-hmm. You know, teams aren't going to let a guy who's not good pitch into the seventh inning. Regular, right? true. I mean. I guess Kyle Hendricks and Aaron Nola would be kind of the the exceptions this season. Both of them got to 180 with an ERA over 4-5, but they're also really good. You know, they had bad seasons, but they're good pitchers. And So I the, when you're talking about a, a league with innings pitched as a category, I almost think that's going to end up being if you target innings pitched. The same way if you target home runs, you generally get RBI, you know, and, yeah. and runs. I think it's going to be the case where if you target innings pitched, you're probably going to do pretty well in all in the other starting pitching categories, just because the guys who pitch a lot of innings are going to be the guys who are good. They're there are, players. you know, there really aren't that many guys who pitch deep. I mean, you look at it and like the top 30 in, in innings pitched this season, you've got like five or six guys who had an ERA over four, maybe seven. <laughs> it's kind of wild um which to me says we're going to continue to see a mm-hmm. a gap between the haves and have-nots at starting pitcher in that regard
1: which will make it much more interesting on draft day because that'll that kind of leads me to my, my potentially last question on starting pitching or pitching in general is with that idea of there's the haves the have-nots maybe some guys that have proven they can do it still making it tough to 100% go in on certain guys are you going to be super focused on getting these guys early per se, or are you going to let the draft come to you and still keep it balanced and uh, just kind of go for the best options at the time? We'll go with you first, Chris.
0: Yeah. I, I've never really, this is a, a big philosophical dis- difference between Scott White and I on the CBS fantasy baseball podcast, because he's really heavy on starting pitching and and I generally think unless you can get one or two of like the top tier guys starting pitching generally tends to be a pretty horrible investment throughout the draft. I mean, if you look historically like outside of the first three, maybe four rounds, the hit rate on starting pitchers in round five, six, seven and 10 through 13 really isn't all that different. And so I think what you probably want to do, and it's similar to the concept of the RB dead zone in fantasy football, where we push guys at this scarce position up because we think they can get the innings or we think they can make the leap. And, you know, maybe the answer is probably more of that anchor approach, you know, not necessarily like a zero SP approach, but, you know, if if we call it RB, you know, hero RB in football, maybe hero SP. You get that one anchor guy and, um, you know, after that try to kind of fill in the gaps and take what the draft gives you. Um, I'd be surprised if we see too many round one SPS this year though, or next year.
1: Yeah, it, it will be interesting. Cause I know it's, that's one of the, the topics people do in early drafts or early mocks. It's some guys are, but there's a lot more dropping, at least to the back end of the round one compared mm-hmm. to early on. So it, it is, it is different, but It seems like we have this discussion every off season and then come like March. It's like, okay, well we got to start pushing again. Alex. Yeah. Oh, I do
0: want to add one other thing with this topic though, is that we're, we're not that good at projecting workloads. I mean, I was, I was off Walker Bueller this season because I didn't think he was going to have the workload. I thought they were going to treat him with kid gloves. Instead. He, Led the majors in quality starts, I believe. He went six innings in almost every start. He was 207.2, number two in the in the majors. But you also had Robbie Ray, Kevin Gosman, Frankie Montas, Julio Urias, uh Charlie Morton, Nathan Ivaldi, all in the top 12 yeah. in innings pitched this season. I don't think anybody would have predicted any of those guys no. being among the league leaders. And so that's the hard thing is, you know, who's actually going to be that guy is really tough to predict.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I, I've had that discussion with a lot of people because Phil Dussault, is predicted his model predicted yeah. it out pretty well, and I'd love to know how the heck he figured that out. because it's, well, it's, it's amazing, but it obviously if works. anybody
0: could, it'd be fun. Uh, you know well, and if anybody else could, you know, they'd yeah. be they'd be as successful as him. So yeah,
1: no doubt about yeah. it. Alex, I'll I'll feed that to you. Are you kind of on the same vein of maybe getting the, a, a a top guy, or, or are you going heavy pitching? Are you going to wait? How do do you think you'll look at it because of that innings pitched idea?
2: Yeah, I I think, you know, I was talking about this uh, a little bit earlier with someone else today about like, um, I think one of the things that makes projecting innings so difficult is the different approaches that organizations are going to take with their starting pitchers and their workload, right? Um, And the the Dodgers are a perfect example. Um, Like you said, incredibly shocking that Walker Buehler was second in innings pitched this year. Very shocking that Julio Arias was, I think, through 180. I am was um, by him the most. He really was shocked me. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But here's why that may have happened. Um, they lost Dustin May. Yep. They lost Clayton Kershaw. They had David Price trying to pitch. They lost Tony Gonsolin. They lost Trevor Bauer. Um, I don't think that that is an organization that had the depth that they are used to having, because even when they would lose guys like that in the past, they would still find like Josiah gray, who still threw plenty of innings for them this year before getting traded to the nationals. And then they of course acquired Scherzer. But like that to me is why I think they did end up giving the ball to those guys so frequently. Do we see that happen again next year? There's just no way of really knowing. Um, You know, I feel like every year I look at past drafts and I see some of the things that people were able to succeed with. Kevin Gaussman was in the 13th round. Al Melchior. Zach Wheeler was in the ninth round. Um, Brandon Woodruff was in the 5th round. Uh, Chris, you took Corbin Burns in the 6th round. Wow. Uh, wow. Which was a but bit that, of a reach was... at the time.
0: Yeah. 100%. Oh, we drafted
1: it, it was like February 1st or something like that when we drafted. A lot of this mm-hmm.
2: was like super early. Yeah, definitely. But even that, Sean Manaya round 22. Robbie Ray, round 24. Um, I mean, Sandy Frankie Montas, 18. Huh?
0: Where'd Sandy Alcantara go?
2: I took Sandy Alcantara in the 12th. Okay.
0: In the 12th round.
2: Uh, And it's going to happen every year. Um, And I know Nick Pollock always makes a point of it too. Like there are guys on this list who weren't even drafted. Logan Webb, I picked up the first week and dropped because he was (laughs) ineffective before he was sent back down to the, the minors and he kind of figured things out a little bit more. Um, but I'm looking at some of the other guys who ended the year kind of tops in ERA. And there were plenty of dudes who, Oh, I was like, Oh, I'm looking at the wrong season. Cause I looked at Patrick Corbin and I was like, either I, have, a chance. <laughs> <laughs> either I have a concussion or something is, is really, really wrong here, but there's just always going to be plenty of those guys who are surprises. Anthony Discofani, like sure. top 15 in ERA. Like there are just guys you're going to Chris Flexen. People were, not I mean, it was early. I think maybe if we drafted in March, uh, that would have changed Dylan Cease, Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson was top 25 in ERA this year. So there are plenty of people um, that I think you can kind of fix that squad with off the wire. Um, so maybe I would say take one early and then just focused on offense.
1: Speaking of the wire, um, Chris, how did you think this wire was potentially different? Cause I have my thoughts. So I want to get your guys's first. How do you think that the fab like waiver wire was different in this league compared to other leagues?
0: Um, I felt like even with unlimited IL spots, there were still a lot of situations where surprisingly valuable guys were, were cut in this mm-hmm. league. Um, but I think the biggest problem and, and I sort of struggle with playing the waiver wire in general, just cause I, I tend to have a little bit too much take lock and I probably need to play fantasy baseball more like I play fantasy football. Um, mm-hmm although then you end up dropping really valuable guys. So <laughs> mm. it's it's always a tough balance it's to strike there. One, but, sure. um, you know, I think in general, like in this league, you could have been really successful playing the waiver wire with saves and holds, mm-hmm. but you had to be really, really aggressive. And like we talked about, it was pretty unpredictable. Um, but yeah, I, as far as how it differed from other leagues, I don't, I don't really know. I haven't, I haven't thought that deeply about that one yet.
1: You have any thoughts on the waiver wire this in this league, Alex?
2: I think it, like any other league, it started out really, really hot. And then it, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to say it waned because there were still some a lot of competitive bids coming into the end. And there, were, yeah. I didn't really notice anyone who just like fully gave up, yeah. uh, which of course that's to be expected. It's an industry league and there's a lot of eyes on it for sure. But I think at the beginning, as people were sussing things out, like there were a lot of heavy bids. Um, and then there were some kind of surprising drops. I, I was able to pick up Zach Gallen in the middle of the season. Uh and yeah. granted, that didn't necessarily work out great. Um, so hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the time that was like a pretty valuable arm to to pick up. I mean, I, I don't think overall i guess maybe it's because we're spoiled and we probably play a majority of our leagues with people who are really passionate about fantasy baseball i didn't notice too much of a difference in the waiver and that's not an indictment on the industry league so much as it is great that we have friends who take this as seriously as we do
1: yeah in that respect i completely agree you hit on what my biggest surprise to me was is how aggressive it was on certain players like there mm-hmm. were some bids especially early on i'm like whoa did I, I didn't even think it'd be close to that kind of kind of numbers, and it, th- even throughout the year, would be, be certain ones. And um, I think a lot of that is you hear a lot of these guys talk about that have been in these industry leagues forever. They know their competitors. Uh, it's like I almost want to go back and look at some of these guys, like Ray Flowers and Al Milk. They they'd put bids out. I just didn't even see coming. I'm like, whoa, that was quite surprising to me. Where maybe you know play with them for a few years, you'll see these things, and that'll make more sense. you can kind of because there's guys, you y- players, you really wanted to get that that you couldn't get. Um, the other part of it that I wanted to ask you guys about different than any other league I've been a part of when you add someone, you have to play them that
0: week. Yeah. Oh. So
1: streaming changes everything. I think that's one reason why Chris, there were more available players on the wire. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I want this guy two weeks from now, but I don't want yep. him now. And it's like, okay, this, now you got to pay more for him when you want him thing, which makes it really challenging. Or like when these young pitchers come up, it's like, I want to speculate, but, if he's not going to pitch this week, I need innings. I guess there's yeah. things
0: or so, yeah. do I want it? Like if, you know, I, I think it was, um, oh man, I'm blanking on the blue Jays rookie pitcher who came up. Alec Manoa. Yeah. I think his first start was against the Yankees, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Do I want to take that chance? And so yeah. it's like, he was good. I think in that first start, but it's like, right. man, do you really want to add him in, in that first start when you haven't seen him? You don't know how he's going to react. Um, one thing that that, does bring in bring to mind that i did want to bring up was in this league a situation i found myself in was when you add someone you have to start them it limits your flexibility also and so i found a lot of situations where there were there were weeks where i just couldn't bench a uh a injured player because Mm -hmm. i didn't have an extra outfielder and i had to start the guy that i picked up because i didn't get the outfielder that i put the bid in for and so um, you know, that having more flexibility with my roster and having more multi eligible guys would have been really nice, especially when like Alex Bregman went down and I lost his eligibility. And, and so that, that was something that really stuck out to me in this league where I, I found myself held back a lot of times by having not enough players to play multiple spots and being forced into playing the guys that I had that's a good point. Very good point. What do you got any thoughts on that, Alex?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Dalton Varshow like saved my season <laughs> a bunch. You know what I mean? Like being able to have Dalton Varshow and be like, okay, you're a catcher this week. All right. Or even, even I like Pavin Smith. Like at one point mm-hmm. he played like every position in baseball and it was like, he was serviceable enough and high up in the order enough that I was able to just kind of like plug him in. But it was, it was a challenge. It definitely had me, had me, you know, I had to think like, yeah, this guy's good, but like, do I want this in for a week? Do I want mm-hmm. a week of this production. So it definitely activated a part of my brain that hasn't been activated for fantasy baseball.
1: Yeah. It, that was probably one of the more challenging aspects to the entire league was going, okay, I got to play this guy. Cause like you mentioned Manoa, even think of Shane Baz, Joe Ryan, all these guys. And mm-hmm. well, they might start this week, Well, we don't know if they're going to start this week. And it was just like, Oh man, this is, this is troublesome. Obviously you, you could do the midweek changes with your, you know, if guy goes on the IL, like all mm-hmm. these kind of things, but um, that was nice if you remember to do it. There's weeks I forget to do it. Check it on Saturday and I go, Oh, I could've done that four days ago. Sweet. That that's fun. Um, because yes. I'm not used to it. My brain's not functioning to to do those kind of moves. Um, Chris, anything else that really stood out to you in this league compared to like you thought you've been in other industry leagues, I'm assuming, and everything like that. But what anything else stand out to you in this league is it's as a kind of guinea pig league, but obviously it's coming back next year, it sounds
0: like. Um, I mean, yeah, it, w- it was mostly just trying to deal with three new, uh, leagues and seeing how people reacted to that or three new categories and seeing how people reacted to that. I don't, I don't think I had ever, obviously I've played in an OBP and a save plus hold league, but I don't think I had ever played with innings instead of wins and, you know, seeing how people reacted to that, seeing the way it impacted the kind of pitchers you were able to use, um you know, what was really interesting for me. And then, um, you know, as I think one of the things you probably wanted to talk about a little later, but I'll just bring it up now, is just like the innings versus wins versus quality starts dichotomy. And, you know, people have strong opinions about that. Having played this league, I will say, I don't really have any opinion on it either way. (laughs) Um, I think innings are the least random Mm -hmm. of those three options, but. They're also you know not indicative of quality, although, like I said, they're the correlation is becoming much stronger. And so maybe that is an argument in favor of innings pitched moving forward as a category. But you know the wins versus quality starts thing like people get really heated about it and yeah. ban the win and use quality. and it's like ultimately, it just comes down to what's more fun. Like I had fun playing with innings pitched. I wouldn't mind using that moving forward, but I also don't hate wins because it it's I'm not trying to perfectly replicate wins above replacement when I'm playing fantasy. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the single most valuable player. Has to be the single most valuable player in fantasy. The randomness is what it is, but there's a lot of randomness in quality starts too. Definitely. You know, if you go five and two thirds of shutout innings, you don't get uh, a quality start. So it's it's all ultimately arbitrary. I I actually might I might prefer innings pitch though. What
1: are, your, what are your thoughts on that, Alex?
0: As you were
2: talking about it, you made a lot of really good points. And I think you actually pushed me towards innings pitch, but there's mm-hmm. a back and forth to it. One, there is something you know, we love complaining, we make a career out of it sometimes. <laughs> <Yes>. Uh and <laughs> it's
1: like it's a topic on a lot of shows.
2: <laughs> exactly. Like it, it it can be fun, and it is a conversation starter when um a, a terrible bullpen, you know blows a win for a guy and there is no bigger it sucks but there's there's no bigger conversation starter at least in my mind in this category than how dare the manager pull him with five and two thirds and 92 pitches you know what i mean the quality start leagues that that it's always that final out especially when he still gets the win Later on, Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's brutal. It's like, it's just brutal. So while I do respect the fact that there are certain foundations of the industry built upon those conversations, it's really nice to know that more often than not, innings is going to reflect that more accurately. If mm-hmm. a guy is going seven, he's not ineffective. And I don't need to worry about a reliever messing up his win yeah. i don't need to worry about a manager pulling him at five and two-thirds and totally derailing the quality start yeah it stinks to pull him at five and two-thirds but i still get those innings there's nothing else that can be taken away you get the me full value well. it's not yes. a binary
0: so, 100 exactly well you get, yeah, you, get, you, get,
1: it, you get his his performance you don't have to worry about anything else like you get yeah like and, and so
0: you know for me like ultimately whatever you want to do with your league just choose whatever's most fun to you and whatever you yeah, think will totally. create the most challenge for your team like if it's wins if you guys like wins do that i don't i don't care like it, it I, there there's the crusade against it and i get it they're stupid but it's a game you know and so it's yeah. all about finding the way to win the game within the parameters that you've set up and so there's a there's a skill to having batting average instead of on base percentage even yeah. if on base percentage is more valuable in real life and tells you more about a player's value so yeah. you know I, yeah. I think it's worth remembering that this is ultimately a game that we're playing yes it's supposed to be fun it's, that's one thing yeah. I
1: always try to reiterate. fantasy baseball is supposed to be fun if it's not yeah. fun,
0: do something different.
1: I don't of, care yeah. if it's free money, whatever It's supposed to be fun. So, so actually, fun. I always
2: think about the people who play like I found out that people who play Fortnite nowadays get mad at people who don't have like expensive skins. um and like there's a name for them like the people who play with just the base level stuff and like that to me just it's the same thing it's like it's a game i don't care what i look like like i I don't yeah i'm I'm still gonna shoot you with a fake gun in this game it doesn't matter if i'm not dressed like lebron james doing it like it doesn't matter it cracks me up yeah i
0: think those people are probably i think that's like a psyop and they actually work for (laughs) <laughs> for valve or whichever company maybe runs, i think uh, i think you're giving eight-year-olds their, too
2: much credit there though I
0: think. they are uh... some of those
1: eight-year-olds are making more money than us guys so <laughs> yeah that's, that's
0: true yeah
2: that's true
1: but i i'm glad we kind of it seems like we came to a similar conclusion the more i played in this league and then you watch like I, I said i'd have julio i had Julio in all the leagues and he had a ton of blown wins a ton of them mm. and going i don't have to worry about this like, yeah, he gave me six, seven solid innings, got me five, six, seven strikeouts. Ratios are okay. Let's go. It yeah. made me appreciate the pitcher's value even more, like you guys were saying, than just an arbitrary stat that sometimes – like, Julio Urias had 20 wins. 20. Like, that is insanity. Was it, what, uh, was it Brent Suter? Suter, like, had a ton of wins for Milwaukee. Yeah. Um yeah. It's just a wild thing like that. So, I'm leaning towards – I'm good with the, all of them. Like, I agree, whatever you prefer – But I think innings pitch is a a potential interesting tweak as things continue to go that kind of rewards the better pitchers. As Chris said earlier, after like your top one or two pitchers in almost every rotation, most of these guys aren't going deep anyways because they're not that good to begin with. So it rewards the talented arms much, much more, which is very, very intriguing to me.
0: And it's not double counting, which to at least a certain extent wins and quality starts are. You're already being... Uh, you've already got earned runs or ERA as a as a category. So having quality start, which is, you know, essentially the same stat with yeah. a different denominator. You know, it's it's, um, you know, I, I like that as well because it is rewarding a different skill set than just run prevention or getting strikeouts or you know. I like that quite a bit,
1: um, Alex. Would you prefer to play in an OBP or an average league? OBP,
2: without a doubt. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny because the pitcher list one, Nick tries to keep it as like as baseline as possible. So it can theoretically relate to as many newcomers and as many people as possible. And there is something so incredible. Like I had Gene Segura in that league this year and considering the amount of walks that he took, like there's just something so maddening about like, well, then that doesn't mean anything. Like that doesn't mean anything. No one knocked him in there. He didn't score a run. He didn't obviously didn't get an RBI. And it just means nothing. And like that to me, maybe it's just because I had him and I'm biased, but it shook me to my core. Like it, it feels like unjust, you know what I mean? Like he did a good baseball thing. Give me a reward. Give me a serotonin boost because but, of you know, this thing.
0: that's how fantasy sport. Like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think about it a lot with, I don't, I don't know how much either of you guys play fantasy football, but I think about it a lot with like uh, pass interference drawn for wide receivers, oh, which is yeah. a legitimate skill. That, like, some guys, like, I remember Torrey Smith was, like, a run-of-the-mill producer in fantasy. He was, like, 800 yards on 40 catches every season. But that dude routinely had, like, 300 yards a season in pass interferences drawn. And, you know, he's not getting, that's a super valuable thing. It's not just the yards you would have gotten for the catch. It's 15-plus. That's a really valuable thing to do. And you get nothing for it. And fantasy the so, Baltimore
2: Ravens offense for that Joe was, Flacco for year. Joe Flacco was playing. <laughs> <up and laughs> that was is part it. of that that offense. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, it's
0: exactly. um, you know th- that exists in in all fantasy. It is frustrating, Um but I I again like the wins versus inning pitch versus quality starts. There's an there's an art to a batting average. You know there's an art to being able to figure out what skill sets are more likely to lead to. Uh, good production and batting average, it's much less predictive or much less much less predictable, I guess than OBP, which you can argue makes it a worse stat for fantasy if you're trying to derive the you know the best skill of the players involved. and I mean the fantasy players, not the the actual baseball players. Um, but again, it, if there's there's something fun about having to figure out the the annoying riddle that is batting average too.
1: That, that that was my my thing is like i like the idea of obp i think i prefer obp for now at the flip side of it all it brings so many more players in the player pool that you probably would not even consider very often or a certain price point mm-hmm. in, in average and then with the new conundrum we saw this last year which might continue on more often than we think like regular bat and like 240 is good now Like <laughs> so it, it it's not like you know tyler nearly at 285 he probably helped you win leagues because he's like out of this world good but you have a ton of guys with OBPs over 300. Like 300 is not good. You want the 330s, 340s. So it makes it a, a that a much different game. A much different game in that regards. I guess it could say you could weight things differently, draft them differently, but that's the conundrum I have there. So I like the idea of OBP. I think it does reward players much more similar to like the innings pitch gives you the total of the pitcher. Well, OBP kind of gives you the total of the player in theory. Mm-hmm. But uh batting average is the way it's changing the landscape of the game. Cause guys are swinging and missing more. There's no embarrassment from striking out anymore. Uh, it, it, it makes it much more interesting to me to see how that plays out. And if you get like one or two stud average guys that could just carry you in a league where OBP for the most part, you for throughout our season, you know, guys are doing good and bad, but it kind of just was there. Cause it's very steady. Are, yeah. yeah. So it's one of those categories that wasn't too changing, I guess. Um Alex, as the season is over, obviously, and you won this thing, um, what would you do differently? That it's it's hard to say. You won, so what? Why would you do anything differently? But what would you do differently uh, if looking back on this past season?
2: Um, maybe have more of a strategy about. I think I was a little bit too back and forth about. Am I going for saves holds or am I going for like? Whip and ERA, like I didn't really have an offensive strategy that was really coherent. I lucked into a lot of the leads that I got. And then I cut bait too soon on a lot of guys. I mean, Logan Webb, I got rid of too soon. I had Jonathan India for the first like month and a half. And then he really struggled for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, he's a rookie. They figured him out. They finally did it. And like, this is an unlimited IL spot league. You idiot. Like, you could have just held on to him for another couple of weeks and been totally fine. Um, so I think those are probably my my two biggest. And then also, we didn't talk about this. Um, figure out the... The software, the website. I was gonna, uh, yeah. I was trying to be as nice about that as possible, <laughs> but
0: um, I I didn't put yeah. in. I couldn't figure out how to. I I didn't have a waiver claim the first week because I just could not figure it out. I watched I watched, like, had I no watched idea Todd that.
1: Zola's video at least a dozen times on like yeah. multiple screens trying to figure that thing out. Jeff
0: Zimmerman Dude. saw me tweet about it and called me and you walked didn't? me through it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
2: like. It's and but I also kind of appreciated it at by the end as as frustrating as it was because it was like if you want to know who's done well the past 14 days, you go figure it out, (laughs) like uh, go to baseball reference, go to paragraphs, and figure it out.
1: Trying to see recent stats was a a a nightmare trying to add oh. drop like just because you had to go look having at one to rem- page
0: yeah having to remember who you wanted to add when you go <laughs> yeah. to the ad page yeah that's that's a new one it was that's a new one it was frustrating i liked so, once you put that. a bid
1: in you could add contingency bids pretty easily that was yeah, nice. that was good that, yeah, that I mean, was look, better it, than other fo- softwares but yeah it's it's, that like, from that.
0: <laughs> it's it's an under-discussed thing uh but when people are like hey what are your what are some tips for playing fantasy sports and like figure out the system you're on, figure out your league settings, read the rules. Yeah. Like it's basic, but that actually does give you an edge. If you, oh, yeah. Yeah. if you understand your format and your, your settings and the place you're playing, that can give you a legitimate edge on your competition.
1: Big time, big time. Yeah, no, I, I actually saw someone tweet the other day that said, I didn't realize the NFPC fifties I signed up were uh draft and holds. They thought they were best balls and never changed their lineup the entire season. Oh my God. i was like yeah you got to check those things out but uh yeah, yeah the software the software we used and trust me and you guys obviously know this we aren't the only ones that think this mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's uh it was it was very very frustrating but again it, you kind of by the end of it when you knew it yeah it was okay uh a few minor tweaks would be nice but uh i'm with you on that uh, chris what changes would you potentially make for next year
0: as far as my approach or for yeah, the, your okay, approach. Yeah. the for software approach, that's all. <laughs> yeah, uh, or, you know, settings, but for my approach, something I need to figure out. And this was true for me in, in a lot of my leagues, I actually ended up doing really well in pitching in a lot of my leagues, which is, which was kind of ironic given that I was, you know, really pushing, not investing heavily in starting pitcher. And, and I think generally speaking, that, you know, a lot of the principles that I've learned about the zero RB approach in, in fantasy football also apply to to starting pitcher. And I think that's, um, you know, there's value in that. But in this league in particular, like I was fourth in on-base percentage and I wasn't any higher than eighth in any of the other hitting categories. And this was a real problem for me, is, was counting stats. And I don't know if that was just, a little bit of bad luck because I had a lot of injuries. I also have a tendency to target injury-prone players because I, I think that's a way to find value. But obviously, if you, you know, if you lose four guys in a seat, you know, at once, and you're left picking up waiver wire scraps to replace them, that's going to hurt you. Even if you can find high OBP guys, like you said, uh, th- there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of situations where you can find a high OBP guy, but if he's not helping you in the end, in the, any any of the other four categories, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really have that much value. So it's um, figuring out how to, to fix that issue for my teams is going to be a big thing moving forward. Um, And then just, like I said earlier, playing the waiver wire better, being more aggressive, being, you know, Alex, you said uh, you got rid of some guys too soon. That's always a concern, but, I definitely have a tendency to not guys soon enough. And um, you know, it's, it's always so tough. Cause if you think a guy's going to turn it around and he just sucks for two months and then turns it around, it's like, yeah, you were right, yeah. but you might've eaten six weeks of terrible stats and put yeah. yourself in a hole. That's always re- a really tough thing about fantasy. And I, I tend to fall on the wrong side of that when I'm playing. Hmm. Yeah.
1: No, that's a tricky one. Like, and I feel, I echo your sentiments on the, the category counting categories. Cause I was 11th in OBP, so like I could have sacrificed OBP. Yeah, having Juan Soto can do that for you, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I guess I focused so much on that home runs. I was dead last, and RBIs I was second to last. Yeah. And so I could have literally just said, "Screw it!" On like a, a couple guys with just bad OBP's, and just tried to get all the power in the world. Little philosophies like that I got to look at differently. Also, looking back on my draft, so many guys I thought would hit 15 to 20 homers, don't even know if they got to 10. So that <laughs> that just adds up in a hurry. But um, that'd be my biggest thing. That and then just kind of figuring out the pitching more. Just the it was I did okay, but it was the whole innings pitch to K thing. Like figuring that out, not being be being more aggressive on the wire, but not being dumb aggressive on two pitch pitchers that you have to pitch. That's the fun one because yeah. like I like to speculate on my two pitch pitchers, get them cheap beforehand. And That backfired in a big way a couple times in this league. So um, just again, it's the format's different. The format's fine in that regard. It's just you got to play the play with your, your hand you're dealt. But uh, that'll be fun to see how that plays out uh, going forward. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. We'll call it a day on that one. Uh, Before we head out of here, any final thoughts on the season, on anything else? Chris, I'll give you the floor first.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's – one thing that was really tough about this season was – the, and this has been true for really three or four seasons now, is just trying to figure out what is the environment that we're playing in because if you remember back in april this looked like a historic uh strikeout environment it looked like we were going to be seeing league-wide rates above 25 percent, and the the drop in uh you know bounciness of the baseball that led to fewer home runs early on like it was it was shaping up to be a pretty terrible, it was like a dead ball season almost early on and then things really changed and we ended up I think with the lowest K percentage in, okay, it was lower than last than 2020 right in line with 2019. So um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting it, how that ended up working out and trying to figure out what's the baseball going to look like next season and who's going to be impacted. There were, there are a handful of players like Kevin Biggio and DJ LeMayhu, who, I uh, faded and ended up working out really well for me, but you know, f- that's just a constant puzzle and it, it really makes things even more difficult. Um And that's one of the things that really stood out to me this season.
2: Yeah. Not about it. Uh, any final thoughts, Alex? Let's hope our March is filled with drafts and yes. not arguments about the CBA. hundred <laughs> um, percent. I don't even want to think much about that. Yep. I can't, I just can't. It really, yep. it's very frustrating for, I try every show
1: not to mention it. And I slip up at least once with Toby and Toby gives me a look every time. So I'm like, I try not to, and I'm just like,
0: yeah it's yeah and we, then we the, used up a lot of uh counter programming during yes, the i don't know what i do the pandemic time. i don't know what i'm gonna do I, I don't know if we can do like drafting fictional fantasy baseball lineups. well chris again. i told you no. last
1: time we will have to come back on and talk like marvel and stuff
2: so maybe we'll have
0: to do an episode on that <laughs> let's do it
2: hopefully you don't even need to do it but also yes. pay attention to what those theoretical cba changes are yes. but don't in my opinion, don't overestimate their impacts, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, I think we kind of saw this with the sticky stuff. There was clearly a change, right? Mm -hmm. I think that change tapered off over time. Garrett Cole's fastball gained another 100 RPM after the substance. They can, I really echo their concerns that it wasn't the fact that it was going away. It was the fact that it was going away now and suddenly with no Mm -hmm. time for them to really adjust to what they were doing. So if that, pay attention to what happens, I I still personally believe that they can come to an agreement where some mix of rosin and sunscreen will be fine because it seemed like everyone actually was fine with that hitters and batters Mm -hmm. included. The problem really seemed to be like, oh, we have an astrophysicist who came in and there was a meteor that fell and the Dodgers found it. And now they're (laughs) using it on their hands. Uh, That was like the the biggest problem. Um, But with that said, with a full off season, I think these guys are going to be able to figure out what they do, what they need to do to be, as effective as they can be with their arsenal. So we tend to, myself included, get very excited about potential changes and what they could mean. They are often not moving the needle as much as we think they are. Yeah. And we're just not as good at predicting
0: as we think so.
1: It's the hardest part about this gig is we are still just trying to predict the future. So if anybody else can figure that one out, like knock yourself out. To a certain extent, it's the blind leading the blind. Yes.
0: hundred percent. Exactly.
1: Uh, So we just have a platform sometimes. (laughs) That's pretty much all it is. But uh, we'll wrap it up there. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Uh, It's always fun chatting with you guys, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. But for now, make sure you guys check out Chris on Twitter at C Tower CBS and all his great work at CBS Sports. And check out uh, Fantasy Sports. And go check out Alex Fast on Twitter at AlexFast8, com ESPN. Who knows where he's at next? But he's always (laughs) doing something. But uh, again, guys, thanks for joining me. I truly appreciate it.
2: Thanks, man. Thank you.
1: All right, everybody, this was Bench with Dub episode 406. Catch you guys later.